Hello and welcome to Arrest All Mimics. My name is Ben Tallon. This is a Creative Innovation Podcast. How are you doing, everyone? Are you good? The weather is short segments and sending you out of here. Yes. Um, bit unusual today. We've got the very first video podcast for Arrest All Mimics. Very, very exciting news. Been working with Jake Powell, videography on this alongside LJB Studio who is the guest for this first so it's taken a while it's uh, it's an undertaking to put together a video to find the right location to find the sets um, and to put all this stuff together but we got there and it's very very exciting so this is just a short preview a short 10 minute preview of Laura Bost's story uh, up until her brand new design giving magazine and you're going to get all that good stuff and it's up to you. You can go and listen to it as a normal podcast just by hitting play over there on the YouTube channel or you can take in all the lovely visuals that we took the time to put together, which I highly recommend because Laura's work is fantastic. Visually stunning, very passionately put together, which we're going to get into the reasons why and all that good stuff. So I'm not going to bang on too much longer because this is just a preview to send you off and away to the new YouTube channel where you'll find the very first video podcast. Uh, just a quick couple of thoughts. This is not going to be something that's done too often. I want to keep them less is more, just like the live show with Brian Grimwood. I will return to the live scene once again in the future when the right guest comes up, when that moment presents itself. But I'm not putting any pressure on you guys to go and uh, change formats or myself to do that too often because I'm quite happy with an audio channel. Nice and professional there with a text message as ever in the background. Um, but yes, I hope you enjoy this very first video production and I'm looking for your feedback on the usual channels at Arrest All Mimics. And because it is brand new, um, there's no custom URL at the minute for the YouTube channel, so you will need to follow the social links, uh, pick your platform, either Instagram, Twitter or Facebook, all at Arrest All Mimics and follow the links out of there. Twitter is going to be the easiest and the quickest for you to do that. Um, but I'll be sharing the links all around, so do that please and go and watch the very first video podcast. Just a little bit of background, uh, I met Laura Bost in Manchester, she was a fan of the show, got in touch, we became friends through that, we now share a studio in the same site and seeing Laura working hard to bring Design Giving magazine to life was something that I found very inspiring, I liked her attention to detail, I loved the love of her craft, she showed very vibrantly, um, lovely, lovely person, super talented and really, really invested in her work emotionally. So to see all that stuff coming together, we had a conversation and we said, let's do something fun. Let's work together on the crowdfunder, which you can now check out at designgiving.co.uk forward slash Kickstarter and go and support the project, which I think you all should. Um, and it all came to life. We spoke, we spoke to a friend of mine, Jake Powell, who I've worked with before on film. He's a fantastic filmmaker if you need Someone who can do that, um, top guy working uh, very slick productions, he'll work to your spec and he's awesome, so go and check him out also. And this all came to life, we thought, okay, video is going to be very befitting of this, we need to show the passion that's going into Design Giving Magazine that Laura's been working on and all her previous projects, so you can go and see all that, succinctly produced by Jake Powell uh, on the YouTube channel uh, now, so... Go and enjoy, and I want to hear your thoughts as ever at Arrest All Mimics on social media. A quick thank you to the regular sponsors as ever heartinternet.co.uk, illustrationweb.com, uh, Real Junk Food Manchester, who kindly provided the sets designed by Igloo Design, and the wonderful Association of Illustrators, who have their awards coming up on June 7th in London. Um, going to be showing until the 20th at Somerset House, so go and check that out. But that's enough from me. Uh, get us a little review on the iTunes if you get a moment. As I said, 
said, most shows are going to be audio format as ever on the SoundCloud, on iTunes and on Stitcher where you can pick them up however you prefer to get your podcasts. But for now, um, please go and check out Laura Bust, LJB Studio and Design Giving Magazine uh, on the brand new YouTube channel. Links on the social at Arrest All Mimics. Go and enjoy. Nice one, guys. Cheers. Done it already. I've already just gone straight in with Laura. Right, okay, cool. Thank you. <laughs> Take two. <laughs> cool, so I'm here with Laura from uh, LJB Studio. Um, how's it going? Yeah, I'm really good. How are you doing? Yeah, good, yeah. I'm good. Okay. Um, so cool, yeah. We're the first Arrest on the Mix video podcast, so this is quite novel. This yeah, is something exciting. new, taking things forward. So, yeah, it's very exciting. So good, glad, to, glad to have you on board. Oh, no, thanks so yeah. much for inviting me. Yeah, so it's cool. So what's going on? Like, what, where do we find you right now? What's, uh, what's happening with LJB Studio? Um, at the moment, I'm still kind of building up kind of contacts with like working with independent designers so um, trying to do more kind of specialist print with them so um, I'm working on a project at the moment which is more like letter pressing um, and for a tile company which is quite exciting because they're like other materials which I've not kind of worked for with before but mm. I just tried to start using them like more recently yeah that's cool so yeah that's exciting Nice, nice. So, uh, well, before we get too deep into it, let's have a little, let's rewind a little bit then. So, what, where, what's your background? I mean, where's, were you a creative kid? What's your, yeah. uh, you know, how, how soon did you, did you feel like this might be something you wanted to do? Um, I feel like my background is quite straightforward in the fact that I went to college. I was really kind of interested in all the kind of product design, fine art, fashion, graphics, just everything like really creative, like really interests me. Um, so that just led me on to kind of doing a foundation year at uni mm. um, and then I just loved graphics it was just kind of an amalgamation of everything yeah. like, creatively and I just loved that side that graphics could tap into loads of different industries Yeah. Um, and then I didn't want to leave so I just stayed to do the um, MA in communication design Yeah. Um, and again I just yeah I just loved every side of like creative industries yeah um, and what about, I mean, what about really early? I mean, I, I'm always interested to see if people kind of, whether they drew as a child, like, was it in the family? Like, what, what yeah. are the sort of very formative steps? Like, what, did you always dis- display that as a kid so that you yeah. were interested? I used to draw on the walls with, like, my mum's makeup, like, when I was really, really tiny. <laughs> I used to, like, yeah, pinch any kind of drawing material. She'd always say, like, if there was, like, a recipe book or like, one of her favourite books, I'd end up just drawing, like, inside it. So I was always... Brilliant. Like pen and pen and paper. I've always yeah. From a was it something that was really tolerated, or did you ever sort of did you ever have to be sat down and be told like right you've gone too far? Oh yeah, that? completely. Like I think there was one incident where she, uh, my mum had a few people over, so she had like a buffet and like invited friends over. I can't remember what other reason. My, um, and my sister had the loft room at the time, and she like really well behaved compared to me. And then in the space of her just having her friends over one night, I just completely destroyed her makeup. Wow. And just, um, <laughs> on the wall. That's <laughs> oh, unbelievable. She's always like haunting me with this story of like, yeah. Nice. And I, did, I, I mean, <laughs> did, did, did this sort of family then just assume that that's the way you would go? Like that this was I, something that had to come out of you? I don't know. I don't know whether you kind of connect the whole like drawing side from when I was little to kind of creative industries. People don't, but, do they? I suppose until you go through that process and work out that you, that's what you love doing and where does that fit in the world? Like, yeah. It's not the dumb thing for someone who's not in that world to go, well, that's, yeah, yeah. you can't join the dots so easily. Yeah. yeah, I never really thought of being an artist or a designer or anything like that. It never really crossed my mind when I was little. It was just that I really yeah. enjoyed drawing. I enjoyed writing a lot, but I didn't actually, I'm not like a creative writer, but 
yeah, just that whole like just physically writing down mm. and drawing that I really enjoyed. Well, it just comes so naturally, doesn't it? We're, I mean, we've had, you know you hear this conversation a lot, but it, it's, you do it so instinctively and so naturally that you don't often recognise that as something that you could then transform into yeah, yeah. a career or, or, yeah. or even education. That's why I think yeah. so many people fall through the cracks. Yeah. Because it's not society's done thing to go, well, oh, yeah, that would fit there. You, yeah, you, yeah. It's a very haphazard process to understand where that works in yeah. the world. Yeah, and I think it wasn't until like, I got in, like, from school, really, just like doing like product design or something mm. and having that experience of doing fine art and things that I really enjoyed the creative side, but... And still didn't connect, like, having a job and yeah. being in the creative industry. It was, I don't know, it wasn't instilled. It was well, it's not, unfortunately, is it? I mean, so what, at what stage you mentioned that you loved graphic design and you yeah. sort of fell in love with that? What um, Did you... When did you get a grasp on, on the difference between disciplines? Because, I mean, my, just myself, yeah, I really fine. struggled to discern... Bits. I didn't know what... F- I thought fine art was really detailed yeah. drawing for a <laughs> yeah, long time yeah. until I actually sat down and read the definition of fine yeah. art same goes for any other discipline what, what, what point did you start to make sense yeah. of what was what that's a really difficult question I think um, I think from being at school we were just taught like fine art and products and that's all I had in my head but you couldn't really make much of a career out of that and then products was a lot harder to get into and then uh, even at college we didn't really do graphics um, I did graphics in my second year. That was like the first year they brought it out. Mm. And even back then, they kind of discussed graphics, but more like historical. Of like, it wasn't really contemporary. Or they didn't really like say what area of mm. like graphics you could go into. So it wasn't until I did my foundation year, and I think that's what then kind of really defined what careers that you could come out of, like graphics yeah. and whether you went down fashion or things like that. Yeah, I just always kind of went with my gut of like what I really enjoyed and just yeah. like try and take that step at that point and just try and decipher like what. I think that's a great lesson for anyone with a really great point you make because um, so many people look to see what's going on and what they feel is expected of them as opposed to listening yeah. to how they feel and how they respond to things and I think that's yeah. often the foundation of creativity is, yeah. is exactly that responding to what's in front of you yeah. but if you are looking for answers in things that exist you end up repeating patterns you yeah know? definitely yeah and I think like my mum was always like really supportive and like you know whatever I wanted to kind of go into when I was mm. younger like she really encouraged yeah um, which is like a blessing really just to be able a huge, to huge part of it yeah. without encouragement be that a friend be it family or, or peers it's, it's God we spend a lot yeah. of time in our heads in this industry <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know and, oh, and, and, and the doubt is always there so yeah. it's, it's a great way of offsetting that yeah I think yeah, yeah. yeah. so LJB Studio so how, what were the kind of steps into, into that happening I mean did you work sort of as a, as a designer in employment or what, were the, what was the route up to that point yeah um, so after I graduated university, I did, well, I did a BA in graphics and a master's. Um, and then it wasn't until like six months into my master's where an ex-student from a company in Wales came to give a talk about his work and um, like what he'd been doing after he left the master's. And he'd mentioned there was a job opportunity and the fact that I was really specialising my graphics to do with like environmentally friendly graphics um, and working with charities. And this company in Wales, actually, that's what they did. They really specialised in that. So I found out the opportunity. There was a job, so I kind of applied. Really lucky that I got it. So then this was like six months before I left. Um, So then between me leaving uni and getting a job, I literally had a week to find somewhere to live and move all my stuff. Wow, Okay. So then I stayed at that job for about five years. 
I absolutely loved it because it was all to do with, um, again, working with charities and working with companies that are kind of looking for like social change and mm. environmental policies. So I find that really rewarding. But I think after being there for like five years, um, as much as I loved it, it just wasn't giving me enough anymore because mm. I just felt like I'd hit that point where yeah. um, I'd learned so much working with similar um, kind of companies that I wanted to just do something different. Yeah. And there was no scope to do kind of more specialist print. And that was something that really interested me, but I just never had the opportunity to, to mm. do that. And I guess working for somebody else as well, um, I never had time to do my own like, personal projects. Right, okay. So again, the idea of being able to work for yourself and be able to do them personal projects really interests me. And I just thought after five years, I've just got to give it a go. So you mentioned there about the, the your interest in print, um, mm -hmm. which is something now that kind of is an integral part of LJB Studio. Like, let's, yeah. let's talk about that. What's the, what is the origin of that interest and how does that work into what you do now? Yeah, I think if I look back at now the kind of the projects which I love the most, it was always kind of related to print. And I think it wasn't until I was in my previous job um, and it was a brief that I was working with, with the National Trust and we did a lot of kind of exhibition um, kind of exhibitions for the different kind of houses and just the fact that I got to kind of design to kind of be printed on like wood and aluminium um, it wasn't until like a kind of experience in different medium that that kind of ex like sparked a completely different interest of yeah. like I think it was that contrast from always working with paper and then like there was this, just this new medium it was like, really exciting that I could just be able to design like an exhibition which was quite big um, and just printed on different materials so I think even before then just I always wanted to just print on different materials and I don't mm. I don't know where that kind of interest came from it was just that whole like kind of more tactile yeah um, element to it and I think the way I really want to take the studio now is like to be able to experiment with more materials and like more print processes because mm -hmm. that's what excites me yeah um, but I think it's not until you do a project which you can really recognise what you actually love to do. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it was like doing like the exhibition stuff. Yeah, that I really yeah. Like doing. yeah. I mean, I've seen you know recent projects you work with Falco and GF Smith companies yeah. that are very much built on the tactile and, and actually yeah, yeah. building that network and understanding the possibilities is quite important because yeah. I imagine uh, that puts you in a position then to go to clients and actually yeah, to yeah. almost give them a tour of the possibilities and the experiences. Is that something you find the clients you work with are quite open to and something you're yeah. able to implement? I think, yeah, I think the more recent clients I've been working with, I think they're more kind of savvy with like what print materials can actually bring to a product. Mm. So, and their kind of knowledgement of like using different papers um, can actually change the feel of something or how people perceive different brands and I think the fact that they're more accepting and are more knowledgeable now, it just makes me it makes my life much easier to then be able to kind of sell an idea through a concept of using a certain material. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, it just makes it so much more enjoyable, the fact that they un understand it as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I mean, and going through that process, you know, that's something we, we, we've mentioned in the past that's important to, to what you do in your yeah. working practice. Um, you know, enabling a client or an audience to invest in, in your love of mm. that process and the print process and, uh, and everything that goes into a job which is often underappreciated yeah, when yeah. you see a finished result. Yeah. Um, 
how, you know, is that something that's really important to you? And how do you, how do you kind of convey that to, a, to an audience in that it, so that it's not lost? Yeah, I, I guess like, I've always been fighting against the fact that everyone just sees the design and not necessarily the print or mm -hmm. the actual material stuck. And I think that kind of shows with the design that I've been doing more recently is the fact that I really kind of strip back from the design and just really trying to celebrate the material. Mm. Um, so I think over time, my work has been quite full on with color to like really minimal, just for yeah. the fact that I'm trying to really celebrate the actual materials. So it's, yeah. um, it's, it's a different way of working. Do you feel it's um, something that's, that's taken on almost the spotlight's been returned to it in, in, in the same way that we see in vinyl in music now with, yeah. with the overload of digital information yeah. do you feel there's a, almost a resurgence in people's interest in something that's, that you can hold that is tactile yeah I think so and I think people are more accepting of the, what the value lies in print as well now so the fact that they can see it they can feel it is a bit more tactile mm. um, I think more people want that as well so yeah. um, I think it's even more reason to like, use the different Mm -hmm. um, materials and I think using different materials adds a completely different layer of meaning to print as well. Yeah. So I think with, I think more so, I think more people recognised it when I did the wrapper project because people could see straight away the kind of relationship between the kind of the reasoning and rationale behind the materials that I used to bring more kind of concept to actual the print work. Yeah. So I think. When people can actually see the relationship and what it actually brings, they they're more they want it more, I guess. Well, yeah, because people appreciate the the thinking and yeah. uh, you know and the, and the conceptual skills that go into that, which are hard learned. You yeah, know, that yeah. doesn't come easy. It's, <laughs> a, it's something that takes years to appreciate those things yeah. sometimes. So, I mean, we mentioned um, personal projects and, and said you didn't have time in the old work. Yeah. <laughs> what kind of stuff? Are, you know, I mean, I mean, what have you been working on recently? What are, what are some favourite personal projects? Yeah. That you've that you've worked on. Um, well, apart from the magazine, <laughs> which is like my favourite thing, I think um, just starting the kind of greetings cards. I think every Christmas I try and send out to clients a card just as like a thank you, mm. um, and use that almost as like a personal project, just something for me or the studio, um, just another way of like being able to experiment with something else. And that was just an opportunity that I could use like letter pressing. Yeah. So I think that's my most recent one but then before that um, I tried to do some kind of studio stationery so again it was just trying to do something that I, more of like a personal project that I wanted mm. to do. The thing with personal projects is and you find this with most people and um, it, it just allows you to explore your own character more which which yeah, is yeah. crucial to creativity to, to yeah to lead with what's in your heart what's yeah. exciting you at any given time um, is, was that something that helped you gain a greater awareness of who you are and what's going on in oh, there. Oh yeah, massively. Yeah. I think it really like, personal projects really like help to understand your own personality. Yeah. Like the reason why, why did I create the stationery is because I really wanted to do stationery design, which I didn't really realise it until you do it, then you find this whole new passion yeah. for something. And then actually from doing stationery and even the greetings cards, that's then, even though it was a personal project, that's brought in other kind of client work. Mm -hmm. So I think the personal projects are like really important just to, for you to just creatively kind of express yourself in a way yeah. which is so much more personal. Yeah, which I think brings us nicely to the, to the, the big project that's going on now, the design giving. Let's <laughs> talk about that. Um, I mean, a magazine, an annual magazine. I mean, I'll let you take it from there, yeah. but it's, it's incredibly exciting. 
Yeah, really exciting. I think um, it's been a very long personal journey <laughs> to get to the magazine stage. Um, I think I originally had the idea like six years ago. Um, and at the time, it was just very much just a name, design giving, um, and just a kind of a concept, really. Um, it wasn't until two years ago I changed it into a magazine. Um, but I think when, when I started design giving, it was at a time when I was actually in my job for about three years, or like working for somebody else for three years. And I felt like I'd lost my own personality in my work because I was working mm. with a lot of brands which had brand guidelines and there was no way of like having that kind of personal um, influence on your design. And I guess um, I was just going through a lot of trying to figure out what it is that I do or what I want to do more of. And I just came up with the phrasing of um, where design thinking becomes thoughtful giving. Um, and it was that whole kind of summarization. I felt like that sentence just summed up exactly what I wanted to do, but I didn't actually know what, how it fitted in what context. Mm. Um, and because a lot of my work up until that point really had almost kind of a charitable or social kind of positive impact, I almost felt that kind of design and, and giving side really summed up what I, I am as a person. Mm. Um, and then I guess it wasn't until really trying to explore like what that actually was for years. Um, and then I turned it into a magazine. Um, I guess the idea behind the magazine is to be able to work with other like independent designers and makers that also have this kind of thoughtful giving behind their work. Um, and I guess the format of the magazine just lended itself really well because you can almost like showcase other designers' work, really mm. talk about their work and rationale of the reason why they're using certain materials um, and being able to have this kind of continual conversation about a topic which I felt like a book almost was a bit final so yeah. like it was almost like it would be out and then that would be at the end of the conversation kind of thing so and I think the idea for the magazine also plays a lot to my strengths as a designer. I think that's really quite inspiring to hear someone that, that, that takes care of that to, to find out what that is before going yeah. down that road you know and, and therefore I just think it adds more value to the magazine itself knowing that that actually is the right format for yeah, yeah. this idea and actually that there's so much personal investment gone into that yeah. and I guess that feeds back into your, your love of print also and, mm. and that tactile so you know is, is that the case and, and, and also you know how did you go about choosing who was going to be featured in the magazine? Yeah um, it was really difficult to kind of whittle it down because I didn't want to have a magazine which was endless, like a whole catalogue of loads of different people. But so I tried to be quite, almost a bit bespoke, um, and keep it down to like 16 independents. Um, but then it took me about 12 months to actually, for me, like thinking of the idea of including other people, to researching people that I kind of stumbled across or met at a kind of an exhibition. It was just this almost this kind of collaboration of trying to whittle it down to 16 people mm. was really difficult. Um, but what I did have at the time, I almost gave myself a bit of a criteria. So I really wanted to celebrate people who really love materials and print. So they had to tick like, lots of different values in terms of whether they use like, sustainable materials or tried to use high quality materials that were a bit more built to last. And then they almost had to have this kind of social element as well. Mm. So. Um, 
whether they were doing it to educate people or to give money to charity or just some kind of social aspect. And then having the kind of independent or being an independent designer was really important to me because as someone working on my own, I almost know the difficulties that it is to kind of promote yourself and get those values across. Um, and then just wanted a kind of a plethora really of different age groups and people's backgrounds just to give that kind of collection. So it was almost a selective process where it made sure there was no crossovers either. So mm. if you were using certain material, I didn't want to have somebody else having the right. similar material as well. Yep. So just to give that more broader view was really important. From, I mean, from that idea of, you know, from, from arriving at that decision to design a magazine and, and, and give, you know, make that the context for mm -hmm. this idea to, to now approaching publication, how has that journey been? I mean, what, uh, that must have been quite the challenge. So the whole kind of, I think at the moment, yeah, it's really exciting time. The fact that it's nearly coming to fruition of um, actually being a physical thing. Yeah. Um, so it's been a really exciting journey. Um, so after I kind of decided that it was going to be a magazine and I collected all these people's names and contacted them, I guess it was a case of really deciding on what kind of content I wanted to celebrate about their work. Yeah, again, again, it's, it shows, you know, the eye you've got and the appreciation for, again, for value and, and, yeah. uh, and that process, the fact that you've you've actually stepped back and, and t taken the time to respect each of those individuals and their practice yeah. uh, and your own brand and actually found the right amalgamation of all that, those things. I think yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that shows your care for detail and why, you know, making it the best it can be. Yeah, I think that kind of just reflects almost the way you summarised it in how that I work with the studio as well. Like somebody might come to me and have an idea of what they want in terms of print or format and then depending on what they actually want to um, kind of promote, and sometimes the format doesn't fit or you know it mm. should be something completely different and I think I'm always open to the idea of trying to really fit form with content yeah. so I think that was really important to me as well so once I'd got the content making sure that I really celebrated the actual designers for like what they do really mm -hmm. like best. And do you find that most people I mean in the studio and within I guess the magazine's your ship so maybe it's less relevant there but in the studio work um, do you find that that people are open to, to that shift in what they might have initially envisioned because as, a, as an independent designer myself it's a, I find that most people actually are they're happy that you, yeah. you care enough mm -hmm. to go and suggest something alternative and, mm -hmm. and that most people are willing to listen do you find the yeah, same? Yeah completely so if, I, if they came with an idea for you know they wanted to do a book but actually it, a book wasn't sustainable or it, it would have been too much more expensive and you don't really need to fork out all that money whereas yeah. something quite small and just something a bit more kind of tactile which would give so much more of a kind of impact than a book would have you know something quite not like standard kind of format yeah then yeah they're kind of open to listening to other ideas which is really great um but i think as long as you kind of prove and show what you have in mind they can visually see yeah and i think then that allows them to be a bit more on board with the actual um idea about it because then they can see it and they go oh, actually yeah that that would work so much yeah. better yeah and i guess people feel more loved and more a part of the process and, yeah. and, and everyone feels a bit more respected and engaged yeah. which is only ever a good thing for yeah, yeah. creating something yeah you know which is really cool um so i mean talking about the kind of the values within the magazine that, that you talked about being kinder to the planet and the well-being of people have been mm -hmm. two really crucial 
aspects of what you're trying to do with design giving. Mm-hmm. Why does that matter to you and why is, should that be considered in, in design? Yeah, um, really good question. Um, I think even as far back as I can remember from like university work, the fact that my work's always kind of steered towards like do, doing design for good. Um, and I think just knowing the fact that you can be able to create something and knowing that it can help sustain our future for future generations um, it's just really rewarding mm-hmm. and I've always wanted to like since I had um, set up the studio I've been really lucky that I've been in, invited to submit kind of prints for charity exhibitions and that's so it's such a nice feeling of knowing that you've actually been able to contribute to a charity yeah. and um, be able to feel good about it I think mm-hmm. just that kind of feel good yeah. which I definitely get so much from... It's just, and it's very powerful, isn't it? You know, yeah. the, the visual communication is, is especially in the, this sort of world we live in now yeah. where we've got so much information, it's very important to make the right decisions. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I think there's almost a responsibility to do that to a degree. Yeah, yeah. But as you say, on a human level, it's also very... It's just very liberating and very yeah, yeah. Uh, really powerful thing uh, in that sense. So when can we expect design giving what's the uh, when, when, when can we see that on shelves and <laughs> on, on laps on coffee tables <laughs> so exciting um, so the kickstart is going to be running from the 17th of May and then that'll be running for 30 days and then pretty much all the kind of rewards to do with kickstarter so the kind of I've done some tote bags and some other kind of printed stationery to go with it um, so they're already made so it's just a case of printing the magazine after the Kickstarter's finished. So probably looking to kind of get it a physical copy at the beginning of July. Wow. Um, and that's when they'll all be printed and then ready to kind of, yeah, send out. Let's just let's talk about the, the values, the underpinning four values in the magazine. What's, what's going on there and what's, uh, what, why is that important? Um, yeah, so over the past six years, um, I really wanted to be able to take myself from the journey of um, coming up with values which I could almost use as a pinpoint and a focus of like what the kind of magazine like centered around. So the first one was um, giving time and that was trying to celebrate designers who make products that have invested time to kind of slow decision make um, and trying to use high quality materials that are kind of designed to last and built to last. Um, so again, it's trying to get away from that kind of wasteful society of just making things with such a kind of short um, shelf life and that kind of throwaway society. Um, the second value was purpose, and it's trying to celebrate people who design products with so much more of a purpose and a function. Mm-hmm. Um, that with the idea that they're designed to improve people's lives um, and well-being, really. Um, and then the third one was thoughtfulness, um, trying to, I guess, look how designers are using materials but in a more kind of responsible and thoughtful way so they're not wasting materials or they kind of use materials which are a bit more sustainable um, and trying to celebrate products like that. And then the fourth one is trying to give inspiration. So ultimately, after kind of designers who have designed these products it's really important to be able to really open other people's minds of like using materials in a completely different way. Mm. So that whole kind of, even though I'm practicing it, being able to inspire other people, which kind of gives a, a more of a bigger impact, I guess, which yeah. is really important as well. So it's that kind of, um, I guess, amalgamation of those four different things coming together, which 
summarize is almost like design given. Because I think even like the whole process of me like researching the different designers, I come across people that were using materials in a completely different way that just opened my eyes to like other possibilities and new, new ways of like recycling. Um, and the fact that, I think I mentioned to you before, but um, how the kind of swimwear brand that I've got in the magazine, um, she uses kind of recycled fishing nets, which mm. is, I would never have even put two and two together, I don't know. Um, and just things like using kind of pineapple leaves for like a vegan leather version, which yeah. is like really interesting. But again, it's just trying to yeah instill that kind of different way of thinking mm. and so just innovative. inspiring. Yeah. Yeah, and just you know that it's just like you say it's there is a lot of waste and there is a lot of um, yeah. disposable you know disposable culture going on yeah, out there. Yeah. So actually to pick up the pieces from that and innovate something and go the other way and create is just really yeah. quite uh, enlightening really yeah yeah so it's fantastic i can't really wait to see so for for others who are certainly going to be excited about this where can they follow the journey are you on social is it going to be yeah. a website what's the what's the deal there yeah so the website is designgiven.co.uk um but also on twitter and instagram um it's under just design giving, just all one word. So as a listener to the show, you'll be aware of the, the shark in the tank question that I ask people uh, for a love and a hate uh, based on usually on creativity. But I'm going to ask you specifically within the process of design giving and, and, mm -hmm. and that whole journey, what's, what, uh, it doesn't have to be love and hate. It can be a positive and a negative. Yeah. Uh, I think my love would definitely be process. Yeah. Um, I think I just, I think as a creative, I find it so interesting just to look back at how ideas kind of come about and that whole process of where you were at that moment of, that you came up with an idea and mm. then how it that kind of contrast of like coming up with an idea and then the finished thing yeah I just love that um, the whole journey of like creating ideas um, and I guess my hate even though it's such a strong word um, more related to print really but just like typographic errors <laughs> just um, <laughs> like I just I think it's it was just instilled from like being at university and our well my tutor Tasha Wilcox she was so finicky about her type and just like instilled this love of like really good type so mm -hmm. I think whenever I flick through a magazine and I just see um really just bad type kerning or double spacing that just really annoys me like the fact that somebody has not seen that, it just, yeah. You're it's a purebred geek, yeah. and, I, and I love <laughs> it. <laughs> Completely. Brilliant. So if you like what you've heard so far from Laura Booth from LJB Studio, you need to head over to the YouTube channel to catch the very first Rest Ornamix video podcast now. Uh, the link is in the show notes on the desktop of the SoundCloud, or you'll also find it all over the social media links. So be it the Facebook channel, at Rest Ornamix, or the same handle on the primary channel, which is the Twitter. So head over there now, you'll find the links everywhere for the brand new channel on YouTube. So I hope you enjoy it. Video by Jake Powell. So cheers to Jake for his hard work on this. Videography, you'll check him out. He's awesome. Great filmmaker, great to work with, very easy to work with. Um, great guy, full of creative talent. So go and check him out also. Cheers to the sponsors, heartinternet.co.uk, illustrationweb.com, Real Junk Food Manchester for the set and location, and Igloo Design for their design of the set for the video podcast. 
Uh, and last but not least, the Association of Illustrators, like I said, they've got their awards, the World Illustration Awards, coming up from the 7th of June to the 20th at Somerset House in London. Do go and check it out. Awesome body of work. Lucky enough to have a piece on the shortlist myself this year, collaboration with Dr. Martins, which you'll see in the show. You'll find the boots themselves there. Uh, so cheers for checking in. Without further ado, get yourself across to the YouTube channel and watch the very first video arrest on the mix podcast where you'll see all the great visuals from design giving magazine and laura you'll hear the full story and the full extended episode so go over and check it out now nice one guys take care and we'll catch you very very soon 